Hello and welcome to episode 113 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We've reached the one-yard line in terms of the previews. We've reached the last division, the NFC West, and the signal has gone to the sidelines to get the ideal guess in to get us over the line. My name is Paul Mitchell. And my name is Liz Bindari. We'll be asking, can Wilson rustle up Seahawks success as they look set to roast more than just coffee in Seattle? Will Goff come up Trump's in LA? Or will it be biding his time in the basement? Will Murray be the man to deal success to the cards or will they simply fold? And can Jimmy G uh, be sitting by the dock of San Francisco Bay with Lombardi having his say in making the city's day? Great to have Liz on board. We welcome another new voice to the NFL Scotland podcast as we're joined by writer and journalist Andy Harrow, whose prose has been found in, amongst others, The Scotsman, The Guardian and The Scotland on Sunday. And our second guest has been traded for one week only from presenter to guest, but he's retained his podcasting recording rights. Our very own San Francisco 49ers fan, Cameron Hobbs, gets the chance to indulge in his favourite sport, Seahawk bashing. So before we get into the NFC West, the NFL Scotland tradition of finding out a little bit about our new voices. So first for Liz and then Andy, I'll ask the following questions. Liz, I know the answer to this one and it troubles me, but what team do you support? Uh, so I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. Uh, since 2012, so before we won the Super Bowl, just to make that point. I like that. No, no glory hunting. Liz, how did you get interested in the NFL? So I'm from a rugby league town. Um, I just got with my husband Barrett and he was already a fan. We were watching a game at his house and yeah, literally just fell in love with that. Kind of saw, a, you know, some similarities between rugby league and American football and yeah, being obsessed since. Now we're an equal opportunities type of podcast, Liz. What position would you play in our NFL Scotland team? Uh, I would go with quarterback because uh, Jeff Reinbold taught me how to throw and uh, yeah, I'm clearly missed my opportunity in life. I should have been a quarterback. That sounds perfect. <laughs> Shameless name dropping as well, it should be said. But we, we encourage that on the podcast. So well done. So, Andy, over to you. What NFL team do you support? Uh, so I'm an early Rams fan. Excellent. I needed a target tonight. And, uh, <laughs> how did you get interested in the NFL? So uh, it was actually through the BBC's uh, coverage of it. That's how I ended up um, getting into it. And then I went to a Rams game uh, 2017. So I'm, I'm a relatively new NFL fan. Um, so yeah, it was a, a Rams game against Washington in 2017. And yeah, been fun it since then. Excellent. So you're a man of great skills and many skills. Where would you be lining up in the NFL Scotland podcast team? Yeah, I think I'd go uh, cornerback. I, uh, I used to play in, in sort of Scottish football, uh, either winger or fullback uh, or central, central defence. So yeah, I think I quite enjoyed one-on-one matchups, but I wasn't quite as flashy as the as the wingers usually. So yeah, go for go for <laughs> cornerback. That's absolutely brilliant. So plenty of teams represented. So the way that we work this is that I will pitch a question to you and you, that's how we'll start the discussion on your particular team. So we're going to start with the Seattle Wilsons, as they're often known. And Liz, convince me Seattle are going to win it despite sometimes being accused of being a one-man team. That's, I mean, don't worry, that's, that's a fair point. But I think the way to look at it is that Seattle will always find a way to win. So, yeah, okay, we don't pile up on the points, but we have, like, that formula that, you know, keeps us 
where we need to be really so um and that's not just on russell wilson it can't just be on russell wilson um so anyone who believes that needs to really look at the team and realize it's not just about russ although in russ we trust so they have it <laughs> now what about the big trade that's what made the news the jets unhappy with jamal adams jamal adams unhappy with the jets you've gone out you've spent big to get him can he take you over the top in this division yeah, I think he will be a really good addition to the team. But I think at the end of the day, it's not just about individual players on their own. It's how the, the team has to gel together. So as long as we can achieve that, then, yeah, I think he'll be a really good addition to the team. Andy, you cover a lot of Scottish football. And one of the yeah. things we see with teams is that they jettison their coaches and managers way too early in some cases. And Pete Carroll, I mean... He's had pretty good success in Seattle, but he's taken a little bit of stick as well. But playoffs, eight out of the last 10 seasons is an impressive start. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously a, a very good manager and he's, he's got a good relationship with uh, Russell Wilson in there as well. They do things slightly differently in Seattle. Their kind of drafts are a bit strange sometimes, including this year's. But, you know, they, they seem to, he seems to kind of foster a, a, a kind of team spirit and a a way of just getting over the line. I mean, they were last year. I think there was um, a number of games where they, they only won. I think they were nine and two in one touch, t- uh, one score games. So they they kind of get by in the skin of their teeth a lot of the time, especially at the moment. You know, the, the defense isn't quite as strong as it has been in the past, and and they have relied on Wilson. But you know, um, they do have they do have other quality around it. But yeah, having having some days experienced and basically somebody who knows how to get it done like Carol definitely helps. Now I've got to go to our Seahawk hater in chief. <laughs> that will be Cameron. And uh, Cameron, you've got, I was going to say a love-hate relationship with Seattle, but pretty much it's a hate-hate relationship with Seattle. First of all, let's get one thing right. Don't ever call me a chief again, right? That nonsense is not going to be tolerated. <laughs> um, do you know what? It's definitely a, it's a love-to-hate relationship between me and the Seahawks. I think that it's a funny one. In 2012, when Russell Wilson came on the scene, I had got back into watching the NFL, and I was a Seahawks sympathizer. There was a great story there. There was something brilliant about this, you know, young quarterback who was taken in the third round, um, and and the way that he played was so dynamic and exciting to watch. And they were fast, and they'd never won the Super Bowl, and there was something nice about that. And by 2013, that was all out the window, and I thought they were sure of dicks. Um, so you know, from there, it's just kind of gone that way. Uh, listen, I, thir- I, I, I like Russell Wilson's style. He is a class act. What I always had an issue with and what I used to moan about a lot was the the way that they played. I didn't like the in-your-face style. I still don't like it. I don't like it from my own team. I don't like it from any team. So it's not necessarily about the Seahawks. It just is that's the team that I that, that were doing it the, the loudest at the point where I was getting back into the game. There's other players from other teams who I have a particular disliking to because of a very similar style of play. And I just... but. But it's funny. I would say, you know, it. sometimes the players on the park aren't necessarily what they are off it. And I think that Josh Norman's a great exam- example of that. I always thought Josh Norman as a player was a bit of an, just an asshole. And then you met him and you're like, actually, do you know what? He seems like a really nice down-to-earth guy. And yeah, he just plays hard. He just plays hard. But I think for me, I, it was that um, the chip on the shoulder is a great thing to have, but when it starts to become venomous, I didn't like it. And I thought there was a period there where the Seahawks were just a bit nasty. And I immediately embraced that as a dislike. 
I think what followed through on that is the fact that they're the luckiest bloody team in the NFL. And the amount of times that Wilson lobs that ball up and they've got no right to come down with it, yet somehow someone's pinky stretches out far enough to just loop on to the end of the ball and it lands in their possession. Honestly, the amount of times, Liz, I can see you sort of head in your hand because you know it's true. You know it's true. Uh, I think Liz has had to go through this nonsense before when we sat in London and watched the games, but um, she probably gets yeah. it at home as well. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, between you and Barrett, yeah. <laughs> could, could you stop heckling the nice guest, please, Cameron? <laughs> Sorry. That would be lovely. So, I mean, let, let's ask Liz. I mean, do Seattle sometimes have a, and I would class it as a farm-to-table organic chip on their shoulder? You know, do they get a little bit, you know, we don't care what people think of us. When I first came from the team, so yeah, 2012, so uh, Richard Sherman, super cocky, one of the reasons why I actually ended up supporting the team in the first place. But Kevin, you need to remember, he's he's on your team now doing the exact same thing. <laughs> so, so you can't hate that. <laughs> I, and I agree with that. And I think that, do you know what, Richard Sherman, when he first made the move, I was quite adverse to it. I think that he was the face of everything that I didn't like, definitely, because he was the he was front and centre of all the faces. You know, Cam Chancellor and these guys, Earl Thomas, they were, they were noisy and they were big and they were powerful, but they weren't as, I don't think, as vocal, not as publicly vocal. Um, and for me, Sherman, at first, I was like, I, I don't, I don't really like. And I actually think, though, he's changed slightly since he's come to San Francisco, and he's he's kind of taken on that mentor type approach, yeah. which has been a, a slight difference for him. And I don't necessarily see him now being as that hard hitting cornerback or in your face as much now. What he's doing now is he's kind of just going out there and. He still talks a lot. You know, I still don't think he needs to prove anything. And I never think he did. He was class act all the way through as a player. I just, yeah, just always. And do you know what? Born from that came a great rivalry. And I love having a, a disagreement and a ding-dong with Seahawks fans. And it's all in the good place, you know. They have been a threat in this division for such a long time now. And to be honest, as long as Russell Wilson's there, they'll continue to be a, a threat to win the whole thing because he's just got a way of taking that team by the scruff of his neck and dragging it down the field and getting wins when they need to get wins. But that, that, that requires them to get the ball. Now, one of the problems that they had, certainly towards the tail end of the, the year, Liz, was the fact that they didn't get a single fumble takeaway over the final six games, including the playoffs. The inability to actually secure the ball, as they'd done in the previous games, I think they were something like plus 32 or something like that. That is a problem. C can you see that improving at the start of this season? I don't know. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because these underlying issues are always going to be there and unless you bring in the talent to do it. So I don't know. It's a really hard one to tell. I'd like to think we can, but it takes time. and I'm not sure if it's going to happen straight away. This has been one of these divisions that about 10 years ago, nobody wanted to watch, but it's all of a sudden, you know, the last few years heated up and it, it's, it's just brilliant fun. Let, let's move to Los Angeles because that seems to be the trendy thing to do for just about everybody. And, and the, the revolving door of the Rams, you've lost a lot of top talent. Do you trust in Jared Goff and Sean McVeigh? Is Sean McVeigh still the shining star of the NFL coaching world? Yeah, well, the luster kind of came off my wee bit last season, um, and it, the, the, the interesting thing with Goff is that he, 
he's never really he's never really had it. He's kind of constantly been questioned, even when we got to the Super Bowl. The fact that he had such a, a terrible performance once we got there has meant that you know every year he's been in, he's been questioned about whether or not he's he's good enough. And you know the jury's still out for a lot of people. And on Goff, he really struggled last year. I mean, the, the, the problem that the Rams had generally last year was the offensive line. That They had a couple of new players in there and Joan Oakboom and Brian Allen who then suffered knee injuries. Um, Rob Havenstein didn't have a good year. We brought in uh, Austin Corbett from Cleveland uh, who was a centre who moved out to guard. Um, we had a, a rotating cast of characters and none of them really did enough in Goff seriously struggled behind a line that couldn't protect him. Um, you know, he's not good at scrambling. He's not like Russell Wilson that can can get out of the pocket and make plays. Um, so the question is whether or not with a with a offensive line that's basically the same, whether he can do a bit more with it. Um, you know, play action didn't really work last year in the, the way that it had before. And and the thing is with McVeigh is that he you know it was eleven personnel and and play action and utilizing that that. It, really uh, kind of brought him to the fore and then that stopped working and he took a quite a long time last season to to change it um he brought in more tight ends later on in the season especially it was a kind of win a horrible horrible game against chicago eventually won that was when he kind of started to, to change things but he took a long time to get there um and, and you know he was constantly fielding questions about whether he was using Gurley properly and everything else and he the the he seemed a bit untouchable, you know, a bit like Shanahan maybe seems coming into this year to some degree, I suppose. Um, and, he, you know, last year was the first year that he had actual questions and it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back, how both him and Goff come back. You know, the the other big thing about the Rams this year is that the coaches have all changed. Um, you know, we've got a new defensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator and a um, New special teams coordinator, so McVeigh. There was there was an issue in a sense with him last year. They gave a lot the, the defense obviously with Wade Phillips, but he took on the offense, and that was maybe part of the issue. The fact that he's now maybe playing off against another another person hopefully helps and hopefully kind of generate some additional ideas. But yeah, there, there's quite a lot of questions this going in this year, and it's going to be quite interesting to see how how they adapt. It's interesting, Liz, that we've never really solved the Todd Gurley issue of the Super Bowl, whether he was fit, whether he wasn't. And when you pin your hopes on a running back, and, and as Andy mentioned, the play action was so vital, it, it seems to me that they've, they've got to hope that there's a breakout star at running back coming for them. I think that was earlier. I don't think the loss of Todd Gurley is going to hurt the team as much as maybe people think it is. But I think the change over in the defence might. So I think... They have to be really, really careful about that. Um, but generally, I think of of the teams, I don't, like I don't think LA Rams really in no offense, really in the running for it in comparison to the other teams. So I do feel for them in that sense. I think they're really, really exciting. But I don't think that you know the loss of Todd Gurley is going to hurt them as much as maybe people think it is going to. Yeah, I, I would agree with Liz in, the, uh, in terms of Gurley. I think kind of watching Gurley was a bit painful last season. If you just watch the highlights, it looked like he was still scoring loads of touchdowns and breaking loads of tackles. But over the course of a game, he was he was struggling to beat a man. Um, just didn't look the, the same player at all. The, the difference this year is, and it's a question mark over whether he'll be able to, to step in straight away, but Cam Akers, who they brought in in the draft, he was behind a, a 
and I didn't really see him to be honest in college but the offensive line he had at Florida was appalling so at least he's used to to kind of working with a with a pretty bad line in front of him. Um, another guys like Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown are kind of fine, I think. But there's that, that is a question that kind of needs Cam to be able to um, produce because uh, that was the other thing about play action is that teams weren't worried about Rams the Rams running down their throat last year. Um, so in order, you know, if you're going to get play action working, then you need to have some sort of running game. Cameron, I know you've not seen Hard Knocks yet, but I'll let you into secret, and it and it really upset me that Sean McVeigh and Jared Goff both come across as really likable people. Um, do you, do you have a, a problem with the Rams as, as you do with the Seahawks? <laughs> I've got a problem with everybody. No, um, nah, not really. I know some. I, do you know it's funny? I know <laughs> 49ers fans because I know quite a few, and I know a whole group of them that can't stand the Seahawks. And that tends to be the guys that have been into the game more recently. And if you go back a certain period of time, then there's another group of 49ers fans that cannot stand the Rams. They love seeing the Rams lose. And then there's another group of 49ers that just hate the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely of the, the Seahawk grouping on there. The Rams, I think... Do you know what? I think Andy's kind of hit the nail on the head for the whole team with the description of the running backs in that they're okay. They're all right. Um, I think that the problem that the Rams probably have is there isn't necessarily, certainly on offense, I don't think there's any players there that are absolute standout class players. And I worry that players who've previously been standout, like a Cooper Cup, who had an amazing season last year, suddenly when he's in that offense where there maybe isn't as strong a run game, even with a you know, even with Gurley away, you know, if that run game takes any step back at all, I think that Cup's going to see less separation opportunities downfield and suddenly his performance is going to dip slightly as well. So my worry for the for the Rams is how can Sean McVay come up with something different and unique again to get that team working on offense? They're capable. Goff is capable. We've seen it. We've seen him have games where he absolutely slings it. We've seen the Rams. I mean, it was the Rams-Chiefs that was that Monday night game when we landed back in Heathrow, Paul. Very jet-lagged. We sat and watched the highlights and couldn't believe what we were watching as it went back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. Um, and it's it's a, it's a shame that they've kind of regressed. But, you know, you look at the defensive side and there's a couple of players there that are absolutely standout. You know, Aaron Donald, for me, is one of the best defensive players in the game still remains an absolute monster and judging by the photos he somehow managed to put on more muscle i don't know how you know physics has got to come into play at some point here there's only so much muscle he can continue to put on and still be able to function as a football player man's a beast um Jalen Ramsey like that, that, that's a curse for guys like us but we live with it <laughs> yeah 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 uh, listen, your dodgy groin comes into play and anyone coming to a live event will find out all about that. I'm saying no more. Um, what kind of live video is this? Um, Jalen Ramsey, I was coming on to there though. Jalen Ramsey, of course, uh, is one of those in-your-face players. I'm not a fan of Jalen Ramsey. I'm, you know, I don't... St- it's not about just the Seahawks. I'll make judgments on any player from any team. Uh, not, I don't like the way that he conducts, but he is a, a massive player. He's very influential. If he can stay happy, he's great. I guess the problem with Ramsey is, and we've talked about this before, is when the toys come out the pram, is that the sort of character that you want to have on your team? Because actually, the toys going out the pram is an issue. Um, You know, I think the Leonard Floyd pickup is a decent one, and I think that there is a lot of things to like 
on on the defensive side of things. It's the offense. I just don't see enough there for the Rams to be that relevant in the conversation for winning the division. Are they good enough that they could get enough wins to sneak into the wild card? Yeah, in this expanded season, absolutely. You never know. Um, could you get three teams coming out of this division into the postseason? You could quite easily. Um, but yeah, I'm not convinced. Could I? Uh, could I make a very brief case for it? Of course you can. can Please I, do. Can Please do. <laughs> well, so I would say one of the one of the benefits that the Rams have got is that they've got a uh, um, the weapons around Goff are. Up, Outside of running back, are consistent. Um, you know, Cup and Woods both went for over eleven hundred yards uh, last year. Josh Reynolds is is an okay additional option. Van Jefferson's come in, who seems to have flashed a bit in training camp. Um, but they've also got the tight ends, and I think that's where the difference might be. Um, the Rams didn't get a lot out of their tight ends in uh, the previous years under McVay, but Higby, Tyler Higby, got um, four hundred plus yard games towards the end of the season uh, and then an 80 yard game against Arizona in the final game um, I quite like Gerard Everett as well he's another good option um, so th- so I think in terms of as I said before the offensive line has a has a big part to play in it but I think if if they can they can involve the tight ends more there's a there's a release valve there for um, for golf that there maybe wasn't at the, the start of last season uh, and then uh, you know the defense is is excellent Donald is, I mean, I think he probably is the best defensive player in the league, I would say. Um, Jalen Ramsey makes a difference that he, he kind of works to, um, you know, he, he's a better option than, you know, Marcus Peters was fine, but he didn't work in the scheme that well, and Ramsey kind of fits it a lot better. Uh, and then, kind of safety, you've got a couple of good safeties, John Johnson and, and Taylor Rapp. So I think there's quite a lot of strength and depth at defence, or defence. Offense, there there is a more of a question mark, but I think there's you know when there's a lot of teams that are kind of got a lot of new cast of characters that quarterbacks are playing with or new quarterbacks themselves, whereas the Rams are pretty consistent there and have, you know it's pretty much the same core of guys that there's been over the last two or three years. So I think one thing that's quite interesting here for the Rams, and because you've become a fan in 2017, Andy, this is just slightly <laughs> yeah. predates you, but yeah. there was the the Jeff Fisher era where the Rams were. Seven and nine, eight and eight, eight and eight, seven and nine, eight and eight, and that was where they sat. I guess my worry is, are they now back into that territory? And I think the points you made are good. I think there's a the talent on offense is not bad talent. It's not they are bereft of anything, but I I guess and there's the pros and cons to this because when we move up to San Francisco, we'll have a very similar conversation where when the wide receiver core is there, there's not necessarily an absolute standout wide receiver one. Um, the Rams have a very similar thing, but actually what that means is if you're setting up your defensive scheme to deal with them, actually there's a number of targets that ball could be going to. Therefore, you aren't automatically double teaming the guy who's most likely to get the ball. You've got two players there that had over a thousand uh, yard seasons, as you say, and some other very capable pieces around. If they can find something out of that backfield and if Cam Akers can be a, a, a big step up, then actually... Yeah, there's options there. Uh, and that's something that they might be able to work to their advantage. So I guess the challenge here in this league as well is the defences seem to be just getting stronger and stronger as well, which makes that a real challenge. Yeah, and you would think that the lack of, of practice, and that's one of the things, we'll, we'll talk about hard knocks on next week's podcast. 
And one of the things that has come up is you see that the walkthroughs and the frustrations that the players had. Now, just before we leave the LA Rams, one of the things I used to like about them was the logo. So Andy and Liz, can you look at the new LA Rams logo and not see Donald Trump's hair? Is that possible? I didn't even thought of that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, just ruined the logo. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, to be honest, it's not it's not it's not the best rebrand I've ever seen. To be honest, it was it was already pretty bad. But yeah, that, that probably that probably makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but see, what what once you view it like that, it's never forgotten. It's like christening uh, Cameron's new TV, the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Telly. You can't watch it anymore. Let's move on to my former uh, co-host and his San Francisco 49ers. It's notoriously difficult to get back to the Super Bowl. We know that. But Cameron, you can give me three reasons why San Francisco will once again be competing in the Super Bowl. I can give you three reasons. Actually, I could probably give you more than that. And anyone that listens to this podcast knows that I'm a fairly negative fan in general. I'm a naysayer. I'm a doubter. I am he who backs against his own and thus was born the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Television. And I'm still raging about that. You've done, <laughs> you've done me twice. You've called me a chief and you've brought it up again. Right. The three reasons are George Kittle, the best tight end in American football. Nick Bosa coming into his second season and driving that defense forward. And believe it or not, number three is Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and I'm not even convinced that I was going to say that at the start of this whole sentence because I'm not totally sure I'm convincing myself of this. But last last, last season, Jimmy came back after a, a, a nasty injury. He came back and he took his team to the Super Bowl. And with us then, I'm not going to say he was robbed of the Super Bowl because the Chiefs played better and the Chiefs did what they needed to do. What he was robbed of was comeback player of the year. Because Tannehill should have got most improved and Jimmy Garoppolo should have got comeback player of the year to achieve what he did with that team around him as well. And you look at the talent on wide receiver that he had. You had a rookie Debo Samuel um, and then you had a bunch of guys that just spent most of the year injured. He had a, a backfield that, you know, Jarek McKinnon, who was brought in from the Vikings year two, injured again, didn't play. You then had Raheem Mostert, who was an undrafted free agent who'd been on numerous other teams and really was a return specialist. And you had Matt Breida in there as well. And he managed to get that team going. And he managed to get that team winning. Now, a lot of that was down to the defense and the fact that defense afforded them the time to get on the ball. But the Niners were high scoring. And the Niners were able to do that because of the talent that they've got across the board. So... You know, I make a case for the Rams saying that there's a lot of people that they can throw it to and there's a lot of schemes that they can come up with. And I think that that's exactly what the Niners have. They've got options. They've got different things that they can do. They've got a complicated playbook and they've got people that they can rely on in every single position without necessarily having many stud standout stars. And I think that the problem that we've got this year is keeping wide receivers fit already there seems to be an issue. And you can see that we've gone out and picked people up. So Tavon Austin's come in. Uh, Kevin White come in. Obviously, Kevin White never really did anything at the Bears, looking for somewhere to go. Um, River Craycraft, who, again, didn't do much out of the Broncos. But these guys have come into training, have done enough to show that they're worth uh, a shot. Uh, you know, Tavon Austin, a, a, an exciting player when he first came into the league, but just never really cut it. You know, he's been a well, this is team three out of the NFC West that he's now complete. So he's only got to go to the Cardinals and he'll have the full set. Um, 
even on defence, you know, I think that we lost our obviously to Forrest Buckner, but brought in Javon Kinlaw, who seems to be a very exciting player. Uh, yeah, fine, you lose experience and you bring in a rookie, but you know, you you let someone go and you turn that into another player who's younger that you can afford to keep on a, a smaller contract for a couple of years. That means you can pay in other areas of the team and keep that going. I think that there's enough talent there to have another go at it. I don't know that we'll make it back to the Super Bowl. I think that there's other teams in the NFC that will stake a claim that's perhaps stronger than ours. Uh, but I think that as long as we maintain some level of consistency around performance, around keeping that defense strong, about hassling teams, and I think that Jimmy just needs to work on some of his long-distance throwing, some of his throws outside the numbers, um, particularly to the right. I think that you know there's, there's, there's a slight weakness there. Um, and I guess the only other thing that we need to see is how do we cope without Joe Staley? Although, obviously, bringing in Trent Williams was a brilliant move. I was delighted with that. I think that that's a solid offensive line. Possibly some questions about the centre of it. But, yeah, we'll work on that, I'm sure. There's a lot to like in San Francisco still. Well, let's find out if that's true, because we've got two guests who might be a little bit more neutral than you are. Let's, let's start with you, Liz. It's unusual for a team that, that goes to the Super Bowl, having won the NFC Championship game, to get two first-round picks within the top 25. Now, Javon Kinlaw is useful, and Brandon Ayuk as well is the wide receiver. He could be the breakthrough wide receiver they're looking for, especially now they've lost Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, do you know what? That, that was a... A bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting that that loss either, to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not like Cameron. I'm not. I'm not bitter about other teams. Like I actually do like 49ers. Um, didn't years ago, but you know, I do now. I think they were such an exciting team to watch last season. So, you know, I'm pretty excited for them this season as well. And yeah, you're right. They don't. You know, it's not always that a, a team will go back to Super Bowl to back. But I kind of think if any team can do it this season, then yeah, I think I think 49ers are actually could make it back again. Andy, Kyle Shanahan sort of redeemed himself after the problems they had in Atlanta. He obviously got blamed for quite a lot of the, the Super Bowl loss. He has gone in. He's proved to be a good presence, good front office presence as well. There seems to be a good partnership there and often find that that solid foundation is what allows teams to build out. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, with Shanahan, again, it, it kind of came out of the, the Super Bowl. There was a few questions about some of the, the plays that ran towards the end of the end of the game, but yeah, he came out with that with a lot of credit. And I, you know, it's a similar thing to to Pete Carroll and McVeigh to to degree as well that they've got, um, you know, they've got players that, that trust them, um, and they they seem to be making smart decisions. You know, the, the people that they're they're bringing in, um, the draft picks have been good. Um, as Cameron said Trent Williams looks like a, a a good option um, to bring in as well. Uh, it fills up, plugs a hole. So you, you kind of trust them that the um, the moves that they're making, you know, um, extending some of their key players' contracts. That's a that's a big thing. You know, they've had to move some people out in order to make a best space. Obviously, had moved Buckner out. They still have a lot of people in there like Armstead and, and Bosa uh, and Kinlaw that can that can make a difference. So yeah, th- th- there's a lot in place there that that having a having a good front office, a sensible front office, and a, a smart um, head coach does make a, a big difference. Um, and it and it means that somebody like Jimmy G as well is a 
you know, he's, he was kind of middle of the pack in terms of his um, PFF last year. It means like somebody like him can still thrive within that. Uh, and, you know, he worked well within the team. Same, same as Goff, I guess, worked well when, when things were clicking uh, under the Rams. And it's, yeah, it, it does make a big difference. And you kind of trust that even, even though there are a few potential issues going into this season, that they're going to they're gonna be able to ride them out uh, and still have a decent season. So one team to go in the NFC West, and it's a team that's been a strange one. I always thought they were a very watchable team, but not a team that you know sometimes captured the imagination. But the Arizona Cardinals, Liz, are back as an interesting team, given the fact they've got Cliff Kingsbury, they're looking at Tyler Murray, of course, DeAndre Hopkins going there. They have gathered a really impressive roster, and they'll be dangerous to all three other teams in the NFC West. Yeah, definitely. I think out of... Kind of all the teams, they are the breakout candidate for it. For it. So, um, yeah, I think they are definitely going to be the team to watch. Like, say, Kyler Murray, very exciting player, just come off, you know, just come off his rookie year. So, I think he is going to be a really good, good kind of person, obviously, for the team. Like, say, DeAndre Hopkins. I just can see them being in the top two of the NFC West. So, yeah, I think they'll be really exciting to watch. And Cameron, they're you know used to think well we're playing the Cardinals. There's a couple of wins tucked away. That's certainly not the case. I mean they've got decent lines, you know, both offense and defense. They've got an interesting coach, but they've got a quarterback that seems to have that little bit of the the Russell Wilson about him that you're never quite sure what he's going to do. And I was very down on Kyler Murray last year, but he did pretty well. You got to give him credit for that. So yeah, he did do very well. He's very mobile. He was able to throw he was able to create a lot for his team and given that it was a rookie quarterback and given that yeah they had kind of stank the place up for a while and that it was a new head coach with not a lot of experience actually i thought they had a decent season last year and they've gone out and they've made some big plays like we talked about deandre hopkins is a huge pickup absolutely massive and to get him for just giving away like i don't know a bag of skittles and uh, granny's old pants is basically what they've traded for this it's um they've lost nothing they've lost nothing and they've got one of the best wide receivers in the game um put that opposite larry fitzgerald christian kirk was starting to come into his uh, game as well i think andy isabella is a great player with a big future as well and then there's a whole raft of other wide receivers on that depth chart at the moment but actually, the, the the pickup that they made last year that I think is one of the biggest pickups was Kenyon Drake. And I think that Kenyon Drake showed exactly what he was capable of, that he was underused in Miami. Oh, fancy Adam Gase underusing a, a running back. It wasn't just Gase, to be fair, but he was underused in Miami. Came over to Arizona uh, a couple of games in and was a, a massive threat. And I think if he can be fit and he can stay fit, he will be a massive contributing factor to the success of the Cardinals and the success of Murray because Murray needs to have a viable option to, to opt out of the play that he's planning to do. Money clearly good enough to be picked up for that um, MLB contract as well, so he has a throwing arm. He's very capable, and we heard all about the air raid and all that, but actually he needs to have, as a, as a rookie, when he gets into those sticky situations, and in this division with these defenders, with Aaron Donald and with Joe, uh, Joey Bosa, <laughs> with Nick Bosa, um, he's going to get hunted down. 
So he needs to have that viable output and one that can be not just an output but a threat. And I think that's what Kenyon Drake is. So I think on offense, the key player will be Kenyon Drake this year. I think he was going to see a lot of action, a lot of the ball. And then on defense, yeah, just continue to be a threat. I guess the, the one concern I've got if I'm the Cardinals is that do they have enough to win the division? I don't know that they do yet. And long ter- longer term, do they have enough salary cap in them to maintain this team and be good enough to sustain any kind of threat to be a, a major contender in this division? I don't know. I'm not saying that they don't, but I wouldn't naturally say that they definitely are up there yet. Andy, this is a, probably an example of where you get what I would class as a no-name running back because Kenyon Drake was one of these names that would come up in the list for fantasy football and you go, nope, go nowhere near him. <laughs> but if you get yourself in the right situation, and given the fact that teams will be very wary of the likes of you know DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, this could be a real breakout year for him. Yeah, I mean, he did flash last season once he once he came into the Cardinals. I think having a bit of responsibility um, and in a, in a better situation than than what he had in Miami made a big difference. Uh, so, and that's a, that's a big thing for Keller Murray as well that he does have a, a reliable, potentially breakout running back um, there alongside him. For me, the, the issue with the the Cardinals is the the defense. Uh, I don't think they've got a, a great pass rush. Um, they signed uh, Devin Kennard from the Lions. I th- he'd actually sacked Murray three times during that draw at the start of last season, but but got released by them. Isn't especially impressive. Chandler Jones obviously uh, a really good season. He has a big responsibility in him. You know, cornerback Pat Peterson didn't have a, a great season once he came back last year, and there's maybe a question over whether or not the best of him is, is behind them. Um, you know, they've got Buda Baker as a, a decent safety, but they were they were quite easy to score on last year. Uh, and that's the, the concern that I don't know if they've they've properly addressed that. I think having the, the number of weapons that they have, including Drake and including uh, Alexa Fitzgerald and Hawkins at wide receiver and uh, Murray himself definitely uh, helps and it means that, you know, that I could see them being in a lot of shootouts this year. Um, there's a lot of times they just seem to kind of get blown out uh, last year, whereas I don't think that's going to happen this time round. Um, on the defence, the, the fact they got Isaiah Simmons from Clemson and he seems to be able to play across the anywhere across the defence will help a bit. But yeah, that's the, that's the thing I'm concerned about. And I don't know, you know, Kenyon Drake getting... 1,100, 1,200 yards is necessarily going to be enough to, to stop them losing a few games. I think one of the joys of Arizona so that, that I always like is I used to listen to them on the radio because they've got uh, the broadcast team, includes Ron Wolfie. Now, if you've never heard Ron Wolfie, he's just one of these real Homer guys. You know, he's the colour analyst. He is such a Homer but he doesn't really hold back. If somebody screws up, he'll tell you. And it's kind of that, oh man, uh, school of listening. So if you get a chance to listen to the Cardinals, I think it's Dave Pash and Ron Wolfie are certainly well worth it. So we've heard about all four teams. You have made your cases. We now need to go down and find out who you think is going to win the division. So I want a one, two, three, four from you. Then we'll go to our very ridiculous, almost surreally too early uh, Super Bowl prediction. Now, Liz, you're a host, so you will go third. 
Um, Cameron, you're a guest. You will go in the middle. Uh, so I'm going to go to Andy um, to, to give me his his one, two, three, four of the NFC West, where you see your team finishing and you're allowed to be biased. We don't mind. <laughs> uh, well, to be honest, I'm still going to go San Francisco uh, to win the division, I think. Um, I think they, they feel like the, the most complete team of them. Um, but I'm then going to go Rams number two, Seahawks, uh, and then still Cardinals. Uh, in last place but it was, I think it's as much muscle memory as anything I'm just used to the Cardinals finishing in a bit there <laughs> Cameron the floor is yours who's going to finish second to San Francisco so I am not going the Niners to win this because you know me I don't I'm a naysayer I said this at the beginning so I, I have Seattle to win this as I will continue to have Seattle to win this division every single year as long as Russell Wilson's there I just they just have a way to do it this league is going to be so tight there's no way there's a 13-3 in this division there's just no way there is a lot of I'm just trying to think even this this could be as tight as the winner the team in number one's on a 9-7 and team in four is on a 7-9 that it could be as tight as that so I think that Seattle still have that home field advantage. The noise might not be there, but they still just know how to win in Seattle. And that is a massive contributing factor in this. So Seahawks won, 49ers second. I've got Cardinals third, and I've got the Rams in fourth. And I'm just going to... So here's why the Cardinals. Um, I'm just going to run through their schedule very, very quickly. Um, because if you look at that, I think there's a real risk... <laughs> a real opportunity for them to be in a winning position. So they start the season against the Niners. So let's... They lose, right? I'll be optimistic. They lose. After that, they've got Washington, Detroit, Carolina, the New York Jets. There's four wins on the trot, so they're suddenly 4-1. and one. The Cowboys next, so they might lose to the Cowboys. Seattle, so they lose to Seattle. Then it's the Dolphins, the Bills... Uh, Seattle again, the Patriots, who are going to stink this year, the Rams, nah. the Giants, uh, the Eagles, who by December are normally broken and fully injured, and then it's the Niners and the Rams to finish off. And I genuinely think that with a bit of wind in their sails, if they manage to get to 4-1, and one, I genuinely think they'll be high on confidence. And at that point, there's a there's definitely a chance they finish higher than third. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think that's where it could be. But I've got them in third. Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals, Rams. Well, if they finish higher than third, that could actually be second, but we, we, we won't worry about that at the moment. Let's, let's come to you, because uh, I've taken the, the Mickey out of camera enough. Uh, how, how do you see this one going? Yeah, do you know, I think, again, I think I always struggle with this anyway, between, you know, San Francisco, I think it's so hard. But in Russia, so Seahawks number one, San Fran number two, Cardinals three, Rams four. See, she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so and for, for what it's worth, I'm going to throw in that I think San Francisco will do just enough. I was going to make the point about uh, the Cardinals. That's why I've got them edging out LA. I think on strength of schedule, I think it's a little bit easier because uh, they're obviously playing fourth place teams from last season. So I think that's that's how that's looking. So we now have our far too early, ridiculously. I don't think you... you <laughs> Say that again, because I didn't follow. I heard San Francisco won, and then I heard some nonsense about the Cardinals. What was your one, two, three, four? 
<laughs> so, see, when you host the program, you actually you actually tend to listen. Being a guest, you're just not listening to it. San Francisco. I have a spreadsheet open, and I'm trying to complete it as you do this. <laughs> right. So, did that spreadsheet come from Microsoft? So yeah. Seattle first, then. Yeah. No. San Francisco, yeah. Seattle, the Cardinals, and Los Angeles. Right. And as I say, I think the Cards will sneak ahead because, like you, I think they'll get a pretty good start. So let's keep Cameron busy at the keyboard. Andy, first of all, so I would like your potential AFC champions, NFC champions, and then your Super Bowl winner. Go wild. Uh, so it, yeah, AFC, it's so hard to see past the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, I know it's been a, a long, long time since anyone's won uh, a Super Bowl two seasons in a row, but it's, it just, it's hard to bet against Mahomes, isn't it? He's just... So much better, and it, you know, there's a there's a potential you could argue for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, but for me, there's still a possibility that that um, there's a bit of regression for Jackson. Whereas I think I, I don't see that for Mahomes. I think so long as he stays fit, I think um, he's just consistently good, and the the, the guys that's got around him are are so good as well. The defense is a wee bit of a concern, I suppose, but they managed to ride out last season, and I think they'll probably just about do it again. Um, in terms of the NFC, my head wants well, my, my head doesn't really want to say either, but the the Saints are the the team that you think probably maybe look the the, the, the strongest of paper, but you know, in all the time I've watched. The NFL, which admittedly isn't long, but the the Saints have been massive bottle merchants every year that we've uh, <laughs> that I've been watching. So, uh, I, and I haven't mentioned Nicole Robbie Coleman yet, but uh, you know it would be completely unfair if I didn't mention it at some point before the end of the podcast. But the uh, I, I think I'm going to go for the team that I've knocked them out a couple of times. I'm going to go for the Vikings. Uh, I think their their quarterback gets a lot of grief, but he's a bit like Garoppolo uh, and a bit like a golf in that he's he's fine uh, and the, the, the people around him will, will, will elevate him a wee bit. So yeah, so that's going to be my pick. And then in terms of who wins it, yeah, it's hard to see past uh, the Chiefs winning it again. Thank you very much. I, I don't mind people reminding me of the, the past interference plates. The fact that to support <laughs> Patriots for a week. <laughs> Robbie, uh, Liz, let's come to you. Who, who do you fancy for the AFC and for the NFC? So mine's purely uh, for shits and gigs. Um, Patriots versus Tampa Bay. <laughs> Whoa. There we go. Never going to happen, but you never know. And uh, yeah, Tom Brady gets the victory again. <laughs> Well, you're, you're certainly going out on a limb there, so we, we like that. We we, we really I'll like that. I'll get some odds on it. <laughs> it's, it's, Tom, Tom Brady. It's one of those, that, how often do we end up on scenarios that you're like, this has been scripted. That is absolutely the scripted outcome of the season, right? If you're going to script the end to the 2020 season, it is the Patriots versus the Bucks uh, at the Super Bowl and the, <laughs> the Bucks win. It really is. And Brady throws the Vince Lombardi trophy at Robert Kraft and says, take that, Bobby! And that's how that ends. <laughs> Sorry. We, we, we're still not allowed to use the words happy ending and Robert Kraft in the same <laughs> sentence. Okay? I'm, I'm drinking water, by the way. I'm here drinking <laughs> yeah. water. I don't know what's going on with me today. But uh, not that, even that. Liz isn't even the first person to predict the Patriots in the Super Bowl. We've had a guest <laughs> predict that they're going to win it. So, anyway... Yeah, ambitious, but you um... never know. You never know. 
So that is the story and the tale of the NFC West, our final divisional preview. You heard it here first. That's the full-time whistle for episode 113. Thanks to you for listening. We'd welcome thoughts on this episode via Twitter, that's at ScotlandNFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. Now, NFL Scotland continues to grow all the time, all the time, and I know the team appreciate every retweet, every share, and they love hearing your thoughts on what we here on the show have been discussing. Next week, we look at the key storylines developing as the NFL gets set to return. My thanks to Cameron, the guest, to Andy, and also to Liz for co-hosting this week. And don't forget the NFL Scotland Week 1 event. is coming up at 4pm on Sunday, the 13th of September. See online for more details. We'll be back next week, but until then, bye for now. Is that better? Yeah, maybe a little bit. It popped at the top. I didn't get the H. It just went, hello. So, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Liz. I know you've got both ears in there. (laughs)